Sin Media, where young people run the show. again it's morning somewhere jimmy it is morning somewhere but it's afternoon here it's five o'clock on your monday you're in the sports desk with jimmy michael and jason good Boys. to be with you jimmy how are we jimmy good to see you wearing the sydney swans colors my I man know, right gee wasn't that a good game a ring a ding ding on friday night footy and we had the privilege of going there shout out to everyone who tuned into our instagram stories to watch our madness unfold and our live feed as well how good was that that was great i mean i mean people saw the bottom part of um sammy's face you know the the couple of chins and (laughs) wonderful coverage by the way it was great 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 angles a little bit myself as we were watching along on monday uh not monday friday night i've done it myself it's one of those days i think this is starting a trend here james monday great game and uh james i think you and i were proven right by uh backing the swans very early in this tell you what it's it's very like cocky to say, but God, I love being right sometimes. Oh, isn't oh. it great? I think we got. I'm thinking of all of our tips on Friday, I was and bang I'm pretty on. sure I was bang on. I'm pretty Sydney. sure. Yep, yep. Yeah, we tipped Sydney, but I got the margin. You got it spot on. Bang on. No, he, he well got done. the scenario spot on. He actually predicted the scenario, oh, which is God, amazing, Jimmy. Right sometimes. We, we don't need to get one of those special octopus that pick the winners. We've got one of our own octopuses here. And he doesn't need as many tentacles. Two legs. That's yeah. right. You actually, swap, a full set of 22. And he floats pretty well as well. I'm not saying He's doing it. To a certain extent, you swapped on Friday I did. to go from uh, Collingwood to Geelong. That was and I also swapped the Western Bulldogs, and gee, wasn't I lucky? However, I was thinking in the first quarter, and we will go through all the results. I'm yeah. thinking to myself, gee, wasn't that a bad, wasn't that a bad tip switching? And then Frio <laughs> came from the heavens, 41 points down. If you don't mind, that was so, ridiculous, incredible. Well, Michael, if you don't mind, Sapel has uh, been <laughs> flustered. No, yeah, he's been saved by a guardian angel, and they have. live in Perth or yeah, somewhere within somewhere near that. Perth. No, clouds. the um. This week's week, this weekend's footage just been top class. I feel like that this it's season been amazing, has been that. It, this season kind of you know these final series sums it up because we've just had games upon games upon games which have just been S tier games, and this doesn't you know go straight because it's even better than what we've seen. I think and so. you know we, we've said we've had games of the year. We've had three, four in a row. Games of the year because like four you, different stories to go, hundred uh, percent to boot. Four very different well, styles you could, too. You could easily say round twenty three. We had a, we had one game of the year there. We had obviously the Collingwood Carlton game. We could we, you could say undoubtedly was game of the year, and then you could say that the Collingwood Geelong game on Saturday Arvo was game of the year. You know, you, you've got all these different factors that you can say, and then you could say that Brisbane and Richmond was game of the year, <laughs> and like you could and everything. And you can some, honestly argue with a lot of these games; these were almost atmospheres of the year. You know, oh yeah, um, without a doubt. In the West, they Not got the wrong. largest ever crowd at Optus Stadium for Frio's first ever final at the venue, and then you look at you know on Saturday where you had that twilight game, and it was ninety, nearly ninety-two thousand. So you can almost argue that's the atmosphere of the year in Melbourne. So we're it's reaching very rare grand that you get final that. attendance. 
in the first week alone. That's setting an incredible yeah. precedent. Finals are back. To they fur- are back, baby. To oh. further point that, four <laughs> incredibly different games. Brisbane-Richmond, shootout. Shootout. Geelong versus Collingwood. It was, there was momentum swings, but then eventually uh, Geelong, it was, someone had to grind it out. Mm. Melbourne versus Sydney. A game of physicality. Game Absolute of physicality. Grit. And eventually... It ended in a strangulation, and it ended up being the Swans who choked out the Ds. And uh, Fremantle, Western Bulldogs, comeback story. Comeback, yeah, momentum <laughs> swinging, big time. And saying that, let's get to the first, well, the, our, our first game of the weekend, yes. um, which is the Friday match, obviously, because Sammy and yourself uh, reviewed the Thursday match. We did. On the Friday show, we had Melbourne and Swannies. Uh, this was just a fantastic oh, game. You were there live, so break it down yeah. what it was like for you guys. So, look, it was, it was really surprising to see because I... I Look to me, it wasn't surprising because I kind of expected it. There were more blood fans in the um, in the G than there were Melbourne. The old South Melbourne yeah, Legion. We, it was much. it was just so you know clear cut that it was going to happen because <laughs> it it just like Sydney Swan games here bring great atmosphere and you don't think they do, but they do and they're absolutely fantastic. Um, Mark was holding the record up. We actually, yeah, yeah, it's a ripper, isn't We've it? Actually, I, was actually, I was actually quite impressed with the records that they've done for the yeah, finals. Yeah, have a little only, feel of it again, I mean, Jimmy. Come I've, on. I've only, only been to one. I've only been to like two he lost finals. The, feel of this. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. moment he grabbed this like, record from like the store. I like the feel of finals. <laughs> get your footy records. Five nights. Uh, what what a wonderful old school voice because we've actually surrounded yeah, our this set is a good with a lot of old timey records here. Like for example, if I reach out right now, I basically what I did earlier this morning was going to my dad and I said, hey, listen, you said you had all these old uh, footy merchandise around and he went through his little vault and he pulled out gems like this, like the 1963 <sighs> grand final between... Uh, actually, can't quite tell what this one is, but he, we've also got... Uh, we'll also put up on our Instagram what Jimmy's got in front of him, which is the 1966 This is the real... Final. This is real the creme de la creme. Collingwood versus St. Kilda, St. Kilda, Saturday 24th of September, which is the exact same date as this year's grand final. One Go point, figure. Barry One Breen. One point, Barry Breen, exactly. He actually, my dad, this 16-year-old dad, notes writing the final stages of the game. There's some footy magazine. Yeah, I was, There's I was some fascinated Kilda's last grand this. final win. It's, it, it's yep. honestly hard footy to believe. Footy fan magazines with Bob Skilton on the cover. We've got yeah, the, uh, the legend, amazing. legendary Melbourne trio over here. Yep. Let, me, let me read you this. Because this is just fascinating. So this is actually what my dad hand-wrote in the 1966 grand final at the time. All right. Close your eyes and just listen to this. Listen to this. Uh, All righty. A minute to go in time-on period saw Collingwood and St Kilda level pegging until Barry Breen of St Kilda kicked a point to see the Saints win their first ever premiership. Your dad's actually gone on and listed each of the best players on the ground. Now, I'm not both sure if that's teams. come from newspapers oh. the next day or if that's just his opinion. It could from be the his day. A, You know what? Well, Let's, give him, we'll, Let's uh, give him the benefit. Let's give him the benefit. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. No this is absolutely fascinating. Um, and look, the obviously being an Essendon fan, uh, as, as we all know, we don't we don't know finals too well. Uh, and this this record was quite special. It was nice and shiny. Jimmy, I've got something else to read. This is, this, this, this is um, so what's this one a, a nuance of? of the game. So this is playing football with Ron Barassi, and he has written a segment in here. I won't go through all of it, but he's he's literally explained how, in his best words, how to bump. So to bump effectively, a player must learn how to bump and when to bump. To bump correctly, the player must turn side on, lower the front shoulder, keep his leading arm tucked well in to his side, and just before the moment of contact, gain added impact by pushing off the back foot. Try to be balanced, 
grit the teeth, hunch the body, and lean in towards the opponent. Gee, that's a nice little uh, yeah, That came from a footy a fan bump. magazine. I think that is from 1963. I'll confirm that later on when we cut to a song. We'll come back with that. The great Ron Barassi. It's but incredible. A big and thank you to my dad, Kevin, who yeah, uh, has allowed me to bring Kev. this back into the, into the studio. And there's still more records to come for the set for the next few Mondays until the grand final. We and wait. we want you to send in some of your collections too. So hit us up on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Sports Desk Sin, Michael. Sports Desk Sin, that's our page. We and Jason, it. just quickly, I've just got to say, I feel like we need to wear white gloves when yeah, handling these. these. We are, really do. We're touching history right here. This is incredible. Well done, Jason. This is fantastic. Nah, and there'll be some behind-the-scenes video footage of James's first impressions on seeing the set that we had here. That's on pretty crazy. And Michael's going to pop that up on Instagram during the week. Alrighty, moving back to uh, the Swannies and Melbourne game. Michael, we were there. We were, we were in the Stephen thick of May it. MVP, by the way. Oh, he was the shutdown, buddy. It was look that that grudge match between the two of them was mm. just fantastic. Uh, Stephen May held out his fist for a fist bump uh, before the match. <laughs> that was very funny. Absolutely snubbed him, and I kind of think that set the tone for the game because those two were at it uh, for the for all four quarters, oh, and. You can't go past the Sydney Swans' pressure. <sighs> the way that these guys play their football is ridiculous because they're getting Incredible. a team like Melbourne who are coming off a premiership season who are still in good form. You can't oh, slack them off. They're and finished. have quite good elite pressure themselves too. They can strengthen teams. Best-case best yep, scenario, the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, mm. exactly right. Um, you know, you, you can't write them off. And, you know, they've got they've got players who like Clariola, they've got Track, they've got Gorney, they've Langan, got Bailey Fritch, Fraser. Ed Lang- they've got all these players who are... Viney. Ex- exactly right. Uh, James Harms, who we'll talk about a bit later oh, for a yeah. bit of a uh, push and shove report that he got. Uh, this, yeah, Sydney just too good. They they came into this game and I said it. I said they were going to win this game by twenty to twenty five points, <laughs> and it'd be a late blowout. And was it a late blowout? Absolutely, it was. Nailed it. I'll read you through the timeline of the game. So first quarter, Melbourne up by ten points, four goals, one, two goals, three. Then they headed into halftime down six points to the Swannies, uh, forty to thirty four. Uh, then the Swans took it into the third term, seventy-seven to sixty-five, and then Melbourne only f- only scored four points for the rest of the game. After wow. that, uh, and then they piled on an extra fourteen points. The uh, the Sydney Swans and the the way that they played and the pressure acts that they had in the forward and back line was ridiculous. One of my favourite plays of the game. Yes, you you know it all. I know too what you're well. saying. It come on. Melbourne had it in their had it in their fifty. It was almost a certain goal. It was down the uh, it was down in the city end of the ground, and mind you, that whole that whole stand was filled with Swans fans. It was. They absolutely bottled it. <laughs> Mister Mark tried to get it through. I can't remember who exactly was up there, but. The it was it was uh, Charlie Spargo with the ball, and I'm it. pretty sure it was Robbie Fox who did the miraculous. It was just. They bottled it to the point where they couldn't get a kick in because there was two on one. Yep. How do you lose a two on one? And then they fluffed it that much that that (laughs) enabled them to get a two on two back. And everyone in the crowd was going wild because you don't see it that often live like that. You see it on you see it on the television and you might see it you know in local footy and stuff, but you don't understand how hard that's. 
players. Oh. And Tom Papley said it after the game in an interview mm. that they pride themselves on their pressure and their pressure acts all through the game is what forms them as a playing group. And what's the quote, Jimmy? Defend to the death. Yeah. He, he said it in his own words. They never give up. They're persistent. It's multiple efforts. And I, I playing local footy, when you see one of your mates, first effort, second effort, third effort, they may not get a disposal. They may not they get any kind of chasing. stat, but they keep chasing, and it absolutely lifts everyone else on the team. When the next contest comes in, I guarantee you, whatever player was watching their mate do that, they'll go ten times harder because someone on their team exemplifies those values that are what the Bloods are built on. So it was incredible. Um, you talk about the pressure. Mills and Parker, 11 tackles each in the game, and... 30 tackles in the last quarter for the Swans alone, and 14 of those tackles were inside forward 50. So what does that tell you? Even to the very end, they want to win, they want to be intense with their pressure, and that's exactly what they did. And it's incredible, because you think about Melbourne, they've been one of the best uh, points from turnover teams um, in the last couple of years, and they've scored the lowest over the last 10 years in this season alone. Listen to this, guys. Sydney Swans only allowed them 12 points from turnover when they played them earlier in the season, and this time round, only 20. So that's a very, so very low Melbourne's number. biggest strength away emphatically. Emphatically. I'm loving these statistics, you know these I love my stats, yeah. and that's just tantalizing. <laughs> and that's just Friday night, because the pressure ramped up even more at twilight at the MCG with Geelong and Collingwood. And by the way, uh, James, we've got a lot to talk about in that regard, and also the comeback story over in Perth. So what I think we'll do... Let's send our congratulations to Geelong and to Sydney. What I thought about this, when you're in the prelim, you get to sit back and have a week off. I reckon I would spin a little bit of Frank Sinatra, maybe a little bit of Sammy Davis, <laughs> and Geelong and Sydney might just meet up and watch the rest of the final series by, themse- by themselves alone, maybe maybe on the couch we're, together. We're going an older song, are we? Going a bit, bit of old we're school. Very retro. We've, got some we've put Jimmy on the spot We've here. got some wonderful retro merchandise here, and we've got some wonderful retro tunes to play. So here is Me and My Shadow by Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. for a, a beautiful rendition of what the yeah. bygone era sounded a, a bit and like. And look, before, but just, just to finish up on this game, uh, the biggest news to come out of this was Christian Petrarca. Um, he was corked, um, running through a zone where yeah. Buddy played on. I was literally about yes. to say this. We, we said to each other, we're like, oh, he's probably just having a knock. He looks a bit ginger, but he was running it off and he was fine. Mm. And then it comes off his fractured his leg. His yep. tibia. Yeah. Yep. That's yep. It's a hairline fracture, guys, we which might. means, according to Dr. Peter Larkins, who's very well respected in the game, if Petrarca gets any kind of heavy contact on that leg that's his or he lands on it, it could be a full break. So it's a massive risk going oh, into this game. Do you arrest him? Oh, do you arrest I think him? we'll discuss that a little bit more. Instead, we're just going to take up the perspective of Geelong and Sydney by watching the rest of the competition sing Me and My Shadow. Let's the pause desk. Let all the others fight and fuss. Like the wallpaper sticks to the wall Like the sea shark clings to the sea You're on a sports desk on scene. Bit of technical difficulties there. We do apologise for that. Great song. Do you know what happens actually with that song from that point on? They go, say, Frank, what is it, Sammy? 
How about we go one more time from the top? No, from the ending, and then they go one more time around, which is exactly what Geelong and Sydney are about to do next week. They get the week off. They get to see the rest of the competition fight it out. Following that is going to be uh, a bit of a roundup of the news headlines here on the sports. It's happened again. And it's happened, happened again. again. No, it's happened again. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, hey, listen. Live radio, everybody. Listen, before we get into the rest of the footy, because there was heaps of it, we want to make sure that we highlight some of the big results that are coming out of the US Open, because... Today, Nick Kyrgios has just conquered world number one, Daniil Membedev from Russia. He is now into the quarterfinals against Karen Kachanov from Russia as well. The 23rd seed, Nick Kyrgios, has defined the odds and he's kept his impeccable run of form alive. And we talk about Nick in an incredible vein because he can prove himself a lot of times against the big guns. I mean, just look at his record head-to-head against Stefanos Tsitsipas. He's 4-1. and one. Alexander Zerev, he's 4-3. and three. Daniil Memvedev, he's 1-4 and 1. Rafa, 3-6. and six. Novak, 2-1. and one. And Roger doesn't have the best record against him in Grand Slams, 1-6. and six. But we've got to highlight this because Nick was this is stunning. He was stunning. He, this is the biggest opportunity he's had for a very long time. So How just to recap the result... 6-11-7-13 in the first set, if you don't mind. An incredible tie break there. And then Daniil Memvedev um, won the second set, 6-3. But it was Nick Kyrgios with his incredible Thunderbolt servings, 20 aces, if you don't mind. And his first serve percentage, 74, if you don't mind. And 78% winning on his first serve. If you don't he mind. Then, if you don't mind. If you don't and mind. then he won 6-3, 6-2. Did it convincingly in the end. And... 128 points won for the game. Nick Kyrgios sets up, as I mentioned, a stunning quarterfinal. But the big takeaway from this game in particular was his drop shot. He played it multiple times. We know how well Daniil Memvedev actually covers the court and runs into the net, but there were so many times where Nick did it. He was just toying with him in the end, and even Daniil Memvedev, the little um, running bunny, the hamster, he just couldn't get there in time. So it was impressive by Nick. He he nailed his tactics. He didn't need his coach's box after all, and it was a very thing, good win it? to Nick. We have a, we've had a good time having a little bit of fun at Nick Kyrgios' expense to a certain extent with regarding his antics, regarding the coach's box. But yes. here's the thing. In, in the end, based on the form that you have just read out right now, Michael, is that he he can back it up. If he's willing to back it up, this is his opportunity to take away a Grand Slam title. couple of quick other recaps of result. It was Ons Jabur from Turkey, the number fifth seed, got over the line in straight sets against Veronika Kudamatova from Russia, comfortably 7-6-6-1-6-4. It was Coco Goff uh, continues um, proudly representing the American flag in the women's side of the draw, of course, with Serena Williams out. We'll touch on her a little bit later on. Um, Straight sets 7-5-7-5 against China's Zhang Sui. And also, Alana Tomlanovic, she also gets through into her first, I'm pretty sure, quarterfinal. She's playing inspired tennis, yeah, the, the Australian. Isla Tomlanovic, um, 7-10, 6-8, and then 6-1 against Ludmila Samsonova from Russia as well. A lot of Russians in this draw. So, very good job there and a lot of tennis to come, Jimmy. 100%. They've got the amount of, the amount of sport... <laughs> The plethora of what we've got. We've got college uh, football coming on. We've got college. We've got American football, like NFL, NFL happening. NFL preseason. It's not far away. The true. baseball's on. We've got 
this much sport happening. Cricket will be on its way in the summer. Cricket's already happening. Cricket's yeah. happening. Cricket's happening. How was that upset to uh, Zimbabwe? They win their first ever game in Townsville. And that was impressive. Figure. One of their off spinners took five wickets out of nowhere. Yeah, it's, it was very disappointing by the Aussies, and there's going to be a lot of uh, heat on, of course, Aaron Finch, the captain of the ODI team. He only um, got five, 15, was it? 1 and 5, you're right, yeah, across those three ODI matches. So he was very wow. disappointing. So his spot will obviously come under speculation. He's in his 30s now. Right. Uh, he's been captaining for a long time. But the big question is will he get selected? I say yes. He just needs some more time in the middle. But Jimmy's got a quick little thought on this. Yeah, so look. Um Reading read the old uh, the old Herald today, yeah, um, they put up their they put up Aaron Finch's uh, last white ball stats against Sri Lanka and Zimbabwe. Uh, two ducks to start off his Sri Lankan campaign: a sixty-two, a fourteen, and a forty-four. Jeez. None of the not outs. Um, and then in Zimbabwe, a five, a one, and a fifteen in that three series ODI match. Uh, Look, we play New Zealand. Yep, three on, ODIs. Uh, yeah, exactly right. Uh, Two twenty, we start that on. Uh, well, when is that? I think actually in Cairns as well. In Townsville, oh, there you not go. in Townsville, in Cairns. FNQ. Is that? Uh, will that be at uh, Kazali Stadium? It just might be, Jimmy. Oh, we'll have to get a fact check on that. But, stuff. Oh, isn't that amazing? I think that you know that obviously they need as much practice and as much uh, you know preparation as they can get. It starts tomorrow. Uh, Two twenty. Uh, his first ball at Kazali Stadium. Hey, Can yep, there, Kazali. How? But like, that's the thing. These stadiums are getting a great run, and I Aren't love they? it. Um, <laughs> so good. Hopefully, we get a really good turnout for that, and the Aussie boys can continue. You know, some good form in what was what has been an actually okay test uh, ODI series. You're right, mate. And like we've said but in the is past, is okay going to be enough for us to be, defend our titles as world champions in the I World think Cup so. upcoming? This is it's mm. it's their preseason, pretty much. We don't. Start till um, November. I'm pretty sure. So we've got a little bit, and that's why they're having these matches. That's why the um, Cricket Australia have scheduled these matches. Blow the cobwebs out. We've had a bit of an interrupted summer. We had a lot of Test matches that the the Ashes uh, series ruined all of the players, just like physically and mentally. Mm, Even though we demolished England, um, you know, four nil. It was it was one of those one of those series where, of course, every Ashes series you're just a bit spent from it because. There's so much more to play for. It's it was our first year out of out of COVID properly as well, so we had fans back. It was just obviously COVID protocols were still there and whatnot, but you know this is this is their first real test in what has been a very interrupted last two and a half to three years. Uh, I think that hopefully their run against New Zealand will test them a little bit more because New Zealand will come up against you know come up very strong in the T20 World Cup, and as much as you know. As much as you don't think it, a lot of the players playing in this one-day cup will be playing in the T20 World Cup. Very true. Um, and to be honest with you, if it comes push comes to shove and Finch gets benched for a for a uh, you know Ryan Harris or a Matty Renshaw, Ryan Harris, um, Marcus Harris, sorry, <laughs> or a Matty Renshaw or or someone someone of the type. Uh, Marcus Harris had a great uh, stint in the county cricket in Sussex, I believe. Mm. So you know we've got we've got players everywhere and. Tim Payne's back playing uh, yeah. playing cricket as well. Good story. Alex Carey, I hope he gets a really good run because he's one of those keepers who's been kind of, you know, in the behind the curtains and just you know in in the wings and waiting for his time. And he's finally gotten. He's actually playing half decent cricket. Yes, he, he just needs better scores. So I definitely think that this series will be kind of 
better judgment because Zimbabwe, it's it's almost like you're versus in Afghanistan. Number you thirteen of, in the world, Jimmy. you don't know what to judge it off. Yep. You know, you it's the exact same if you played if uh, when England went over and played the Netherlands for some reason, <laughs> like they always do. Um, <laughs> But look, it's going to be interesting. You can watch it two twenty first ball tomorrow. You can watch it on Fox as well. Um, definitely be keeping a close eye on that. But going away on the other side of the world, talking about Netherlands, the Zandvoort Grand Prix was on last hey. night in the Netherlands, and none other than the flying Dutchman Max Verstappen getting the win, uh, coming off very well, four seconds um, in front of George Russell, and then Charles Leclerc in third, Hamilton bottled his uh, chances at winning the Grand Prix when they pitted Russell to bring the gap between Hamilton and Verstappen to right next to each other. Wow. And there's been some fantastic memes flashing. You know those <laughs> Vietnam flashback memes. Oh. <laughs> and it was Hamilton, uh, Hamilton's you know, in front of Vettel, uh, and then Vettel's got soft tyres. What happened in Abu Dhabi last, you know, in the, in the, uh, you know, in the last race of the season last year? Verstappen had soft tyres on it and Hamilton had the hards on it. Who won that one? Verstappen. So, same went, same went here. And Hamilton dropped down to fourth because he had very, very old mediums on and the whole pit uh, the whole pit lane pretty much pitted on softs. But he wanted to stay out because he thought he had a chance and it was very stupid. Um, <laughs> Danny Ricciardo in 17th, not doing too great there. He's I've, on his way out anyway, so... Now, look, I've, I might have some inside scoop. Oh, Jimmy. This you actually have. This is a exclusive. exclusive. Right. I was, I was flicking. To the cameras in this studio right now. I was flicking. Put a watermark on. over right. right now. Three, right two, now. one. Jimmy. Watermark. Watermark. All righty. Um, I was flicking on the Instagram, as, as you do, a post-race, and there was a conversation between Sergio Perez and Daniel Ricciardo about his future. Daniel Ricciardo said, oh, I'm going to take a year off and then I'm going to come back in 2024. Ooh. Ooh. There you go. So, could, if, if he doesn't sign a contract, you know what you heard at first. When we know more, you'll know more. 100%. <laughs> he, might have to, he might have to go and play for West Coast for a season. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> he deserves a break. Uh, he does. He, he's, he's just it's had a brutal a sport, isn't it? Um, and obviously, Oscar Piastri being announced earlier in the week, like I said... Um, Mick Schumacher coming from 10th to finish 13th, Alexander Albon in 12th, Pierre Gasly in 11th, Stroll, Ocon and Sainz, and Lando Norris rounding out the top 10. They go to Monza next week, the Italian Grand Prix with the Tifosi cheering on the Ferrari. I cannot wait for this Grand Prix. It's my favourite Grand Prix of the year. Mm. And we know who won it last year, and we know who's not going to win it this year, Daniel Ricciardo. Jimmy, so, just, just quickly on Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. Will... And again, there's still a lot of legacy to be written out because he's not, you know, he's, he's far from over in his career, potentially. Potentially. We're all just speculating. But do you think that move when he when he left Red Bull and went to Renault and then obviously went to McLaren, do you think that move to go from um, Red Bull where at the time, you know, obviously Max Verstappen was, was the main guy, but Ricardo was still, you know, getting good pole positions. Do you think that was a bad move in hindsight now, with him leaving at the time, or do you think he needed more opportunity at the time and it hasn't hurt him? Yeah, it was a bad decision. Mm. Like, plain and simple. It's black and white. Yep. Uh, a lot of F1 journalists in... Uh, Will Buxton as well, who's one of my favourite F1 journalists, uh, He's he said, and I, I agree with him, that he would have won the championship the year after if he stayed at Red wow. Because at that stage, Verstappen, I think he was in his second year... Mm, of being yeah. at Red Bull because he was at Toro Rosso beforehand in the academy, won his first race for Red Bull and his first ever race for Red Bull in Malaysia. 
Uh, it was in his second year. Uh, Ricardo was coming off a win at Mon- at Monaco, won at Budapest as well. He wasn't doing too badly. He was still third or fourth in the championship and had a great season. I think the one thing that played into him leaving was the pressure. Yeah. Because... Having to compete with Max. It's a cauldron. Yeah. Whether you... I mean, I don't know if a lot of people know this because I don't know how many people... Like, you can, you know, look at Drive to Survive and think you're a Formula One (laughs) expert, but, you know, you're you're a... what would you call them? They're just a couch expert. I don't yeah, know. There's, a, there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes. I mean, they polished over a lot of things. When you consistently watch the sport and you see what goes on and you and you follow their Twitters, you follow journalists' Twitters and you follow like all these different things where it kind of just forms into one big you know, fire pot. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. The pressure that's on this guy was too much. Mm. Not his fault. Mm. Max Verstappen. When you've got a wonder kid who's won his first race in his first drive mm. for a team, and second youngest apart from Sebastian Vettel was the first his youngest ever race winner. It's it was it wasn't like he was forced, but like you kind of felt the pressure of like I got I got to kind of leave or do something mm. because it kind of played badly on Red Bull because it just switched up. They had Alexander Albon, they had Pierre Gasly, then they went to Sergio Perez. It was just a mess. Yeah. And none of them were getting good results. Red Bull fell down in the Constructors' Championships, and they just... They weren't a whole, if you know what I mean. Like, they weren't they weren't racing as a team. It was just a one... It was, it was just one driver. Yeah. And if he stayed in, if he stayed in that 2020, if 2019 season, he could have he could have easily won... A championship if he stayed there because yep. at that stage the car was even. Mm. Twenty twenty was the time that they kind of realised, okay, Max is there, but if Ricardo won a championship in twenty nineteen, where would we be now? Mm. You just don't know. Verstappen could have left Red Bull. He could have gone to Ferrari. He could have taken over Valtteri Bottas at Mercedes. You just don't it's know. Sliding doors, Jimmy. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. And in my eyes, it was a mistake. Mm-hmm. But you can't judge mistakes three years in advance. You do. Yeah. Apparently, Haas are looking at um, uh, Ricardo as well. Mm. Pierre Gasly's looking at going to Alpine, even though he's arch enemies with Esteban Ocon, his fellow Frenchman. So it's really up in the air, but wow. it wouldn't surprise me if uh, he joined the Audi team in the near future because I can see him going till he's at least 40. Wow. Incredible. Crazy, crazy. Lots stuff. happening in the world of Formula One. Just quickly, NRL finals are happening. The first week of finals have been locked in, and it starts on Friday, September the 9th. It'll be the first qualifying final. It'll be the Penrith Panthers, who finished minor premiers up against the Parramatta Eels, who finished in fourth, and that is at Blue Bet Stadium at 7.50. The first elimination final will be Melbourne Storm, who... Again, it's been said, first time finishing outside the top four since 2014. So it's a slight fall from grace from the Melbourne Storm, but we know how professional they are. They come up against the number eight seed being the Canberra Raiders. So very similar to the AFL finals um, ladder as far as how the finals are structured. That'll be at Amy Park on Saturday, September the 10th at 5.40pm. So a bit of a a late afternoon start there. And then the second qualifying final will be the Quinella Sharks. I almost put a Q in there. 
Quinalas Sharks, uh, who finished second up against the North Queensland Cowboys. That will be at Points Bet Stadium Saturday, September the 10th at 7.50. And then the second elimination final to round out the first week, it'll be against the Sydney Roosters and the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And that will be at Allianz Stadium, the new stadium, new stadium. by the way. Looks very, beautiful. very slick, isn't it? I can't wait. I'm going in December. And that'll I'm be so at, excited. Wow. That'll be on Sunday, September the 11th at 4.05. Big first round of the NRL finals for those who are interested in the pointy ball. Great, Michael. Fantastic. <laughs> Love that. Uh, Love the way you go about it there, Michael. Yeah, we've got to give it some love. Well, look, we're going to go to a song where both both of these codes are fighting for this. Um, Hunters and Collectors, bit of Holy Grail. We're going we're gonna to come back with some AFL after this. You're on the sports desk. So Australia in a sentence, James. I'm going to play out. <sighs> Aussie rules football. How good is it? God, we love it. Uh, Finals footy. Oh, September's it. in the air. Just everything about I reckon this grand time final week you might hear that song again, James. Uh, touch wood. Touch wood. Touch wood. Not well, bang your heads. Jimmy, speaking of grand final-like atmosphere, how was Saturday twilight at the MCG? At the Melbourne CG, according to the 1966 <laughs> grand final. <laughs> they used to call it the Melbourne CG for some reason. <laughs> Again, here it is here. Send in your collections. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Sports in Instagram yes. and Facebook. Compared to the ground down the road, the Marlborough CG, that was a very different <laughs> place to uh, Or to the be. Malvern CG. The Malvern CG. CG. <laughs> Uh, Alrighty, big, 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 big game for both clubs. Wow, uh, Mornington CG, Mornington CG. Well, actually, that's a, that might be a bit sad for the St Kilda supporters out there. Yeah. That's the only yeah, way you can sorry, find a cup there. Sold in. Alrighty, eleven, twelve, seventy-eight. Played ten goals, twelve, seventy-two. The Cutters just became too strong here. Uh, Collingwood had their chances and they just didn't take them. You can you can say all you want about the poor umpiring, and you can say everything about oh you know there was a there was a holding the ball here, and yeah there were some blatant free kicks that weren't paid for Collingwood's way, yeah, but then there were some blatant free kicks that weren't paid to Geelong as well, and that's footy, yeah. It's you're not going to be perfect. You've got the best umpires in the comp um, umpiring these finals. You're correct. It's footy. It's human. It could be human error. That's it. All, nothing's going to change whether the AFL come out on the Monday and say, oh, yeah, that call was wrong. What good's that going to do to you? Is Jimmy, it going to make you feel better about you losing it? It'll be similar to, not to yeah. make it about a different code, but it's the only thing I can really gr- 
grasp with any might and without it, well, with, uh, I guess, context. But mm. it's similar to uh, the Saints v. Rams in uh, 2019 with that missed call in the championship. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. Roger Goodell did come out and say, uh, yeah, that call was wrong. We apologise for that. But I think still New Orleans boycotted that, didn't <laughs> boycotted that Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, jeez. And it was a terrible Super Bowl, too. I get I get bigged up about how great the Super Bowl is. And, oh, the Rams v. What was it again? I think it was the Patriots from memory. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, yeah. Oh, boring, boring, boring. Well, we'll tell you what wasn't boring this game. No, this no, game was, this game was just Gary Rowan breathed the biggest sigh of relief he will ever breathe in his career. I put it on him, didn't I? Yeah, last, did. last show I said he, in, in, in the final stage, he seems to crumble. And, and when the game is on the line, he hasn't delivered. But it's just so ironic, gentlemen. Joe Danaher... We, we put it on him. <laughs> Remember how I was saying and on he Friday, I was ready for him to go. I was ready to go on this show and go say Joe Danaher, most overrated key forward in in the footy, maybe even the worst key forward. But there he but is. This is the thing, Jason. We, we we put it on Gary Rowan because we know how good he is. It's a compliment to him because during the home and away season, we know he can take big leaps. We know he can kick extraordinary goals. We know he can tackle in the forward fifty. But when when the finals have came around, he just hasn't seemed to do it in recent times. But on Saturday. He absolutely staked his claim, and he almost had a Jack Darling moment, didn't he? That's what I meant. He, he is missed breathed, the mark. He breathed the biggest, oh, deepest, wow. just all-round biggest sigh of relief he will ever breathe in his career. Yeah, I was, at, I was at a birthday party when this happened, and <laughs> were you? Everyone was like, everyone just glued to it, and <laughs> when it happened, everyone was like, oh. Yeah! Because he got the ball. He nearly tripped over again once he got the ball because he was running so quick. He got the handball off to Max Holmes and he kicks the winning goal with 80 seconds remaining. I love Max Holmes. He's been great. What this means for Geelong in the grand scheme of things, it ends a four-year losing streak in qualifying finals. And it's ironic because next time they play, their next hoodoo is losing preliminary finals. They've lost five of six preliminary finals. So if they can get over that record, They'll be on their way. They've won 14 straight games. And I saw this incredible stat before the first bounce. 38th finals game for Joel Selwood. That's nearly two. That's over two seasons worth of just finals just games finals alone. Game. It's the and top five only maximum ever. five games. Yes, in in those finals, four games in those yeah, finals. maximum four. That's ridiculous. We know it's a team sport. Five of it's a We point. know it's a team sport. Good point. But, but, well, uh, but pre 2010, hundred percent. No, look, the, uh, obviously the Cats play the winner of the D's and the Lions on Friday night. That's a big one. Very big. Uh, I don't know and how... And another, another tough one to call if uh, Melbourne get through and they're taking on uh, Geelong in a prelim. That's just... Take it back to Optus. I mean, look, I'll absolutely take it, and I'll absolutely take the Pies beating the uh, beating the old Dockers on Saturday night. It's funnily enough a sellout. Um, wow. I spent an hour on Ticketek trying to find tickets. Are you um, serious? An hour with trying to find one ticket. Collingwood Fremantle is sold out. I tried to find one ticket. Not only that, just was, me. Not only that, we were having the conversation before uh, you came in for the show, and, and he was telling me he said, you tried three times. Was it chance? So, so I, I managed to get a ticket all three times on the occasion, exact same seat, exact same row, exact same section, and they all crashed at checkout. Wow. So I had to go back. Oh, I'm actually stunned that, no, it, that it's, it's, a sold, it's ridiculous. Sellout. That's amazing. Like, if I look right now, the all level one sold out, all level two sold out. It took me 25 minutes to just get out of the queue. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> and insane. obviously, Collingwood got 100,000 members. But they do. And Fremantle, their belief is paramount right yeah, they now. They might get 20,000 there. They might. So if you look at the ticketing stats right now, just for this, just for this game, it's beyond. It's beyond ridiculous. Uh, the only tickets that are available are the back half of level four in ten, twenty, 
25 sections. So there's only the back half of 25 sections on level 4 available for this game. That's ridiculous. Back-to-back sellouts. That's unheard of. Collingwood is just... There's, there's something... Like I've, like I've said... Magic juice. Special sauce. Special sauce. That's special it, Jimmy. Sauce. Put um, that on your pie formula. Oh! No, he did it. He did it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sorry, mate. No, it's all right. Um, Jimmy, show us the worm. You, you love your worm. It was it was on early. Um, it was. I tell you, Collingwood had all the momentum early. Geelong, actually, I to be honest... I believe they were dictating the pace, Collingwood. Geelong yeah. looked really out of sorts. They, they especially looked, in the first they quarter. They did not look good at all. I, I feel like this was a case of underestimation. Yeah. Just because they're the informed team, they've come off a season where they're minor premiers, they're doing great. Collingwood looked a bit shaky the last couple of weeks. Got a got a cutthroat win in the last round, you know, broke all of Carlton's heart. Sorry, Sammy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they might have thought they might have had the upper hand just mentally. And, I mean, the first quarter doesn't show that. 5-3, to one goal, 3-9. Uh, and then the second well, half-time was very close as well, the going into that one-point leaders. It was, but Collingwood were not seizing opportunities. They were no, getting they in the they offensive were. 50 quickly, and they were hitting the scoreboard, but they were not hitting the big bag. Yeah, you know, you're 100% right. They, Like I've said before, like they didn't take their chances, uh, and they looked, they, they led the last quarter by seven points, eight goals, 11, 59 to seven goals, 10, 52, and then the penultimate score, they just turned the Jets on. They hadn't led a lead properly, I reckon, for about... Si- over a goal since midway through the third quarter. They got it back between one point twice in the last quarter, was even at one stage, and then they kicked that last goal. Max Holmes getting the job done. It was it was big and big setbacks for Collingwood. Taylor Adams tearing oh, his green this was off so the hard bone. to watch, Jimmy. Um, that's that's Feel something that you just don't want for any play, regardless of who you support. You just you just don't want someone doing that because no. Taylor Adams is one of those guys who deserves a premiership lovable, medal. If, lovable guy. If Collingwood did proceed to win the grand final, uh, you know he he'd be one who would deserve it most out of more, um, you know players and. Yep. They'll go into this game against Fremantle with their heads held high, though, because they, they took were. it up to the to the Premiers. Uh, you know, only going down by a goal. That goal could have come from so many different opportunities. And that's and where Craig McRae's comments in that press yeah, conference like become a lot more poignant. It was very interesting the way that he said yeah. he, he said they went down like a bunch of losers. Six players on the ground at the end of the game, and he's like, you haven't lost the grand final. This is You've still got another opportunity. I like it. But I, then, I think putting it on him, I think it's great. But then it shows the vulnerability of Collingwood. Yep. And it kind of shows how much that game meant to them. Because, yeah, you want that week off and you want that bit of flexibility in your lineup and you can see what's going to happen in the two weeks you've got free. But it's going to be hard for they them, go, Mate, I'd be confident if I was a Pies fan. Yeah, I still would be. Agreed. But you've still got to go through the, through Sydney at the SCG and that's where I feel like probably those players would be deflated because they think that's that's a that's a tough road trip. Um, just quickly on this game, Scott Pendlebury, 34 disposals. He was amazing. Um, Jordan Degoe in the final quarter, he nearly won that game. Single-handedly for him, two absolute clutch goals on the run. He was sensational. Dacos did well too. Dacos was great with twenty-five disposals. He was absolutely everywhere. And um, I, I'm going to put it on them. Um, I don't think I don't think Geelong win this game without Jeremy Cameron. I feel like that trade, especially with all the picks, in the early stages, yeah, kept Jeremy Cameron was carrying them. And that goal that... Uh, by the way, Ash Johnson's goal from the pocket was just unbelievable. This guy is built for finals. He is oh my God. an incredible player, Jimmy. We, we saw him broke our hearts he threaded the needle. earlier in the season. And it was, it was, a, it was a, 
a kick off two steps, like you don't see that that often for a clutch kick. And then Jeremy Cameron from the other end almost did a, a minute later he did it right back and he puts his hands right on in front his of the ear. Collingwood support. Like, I can't hear. I can't hear. Where is where is it? A couple of loose fingers there as well, which <laughs> which of course was gonna happen. <laughs> but Jeremy Cameron, he's a superstar and he will take Geelong very, very deep into this finals campaign for them. He was amazing. I'm going to read you something that will warm your hearts here for the Taylor Adams story. He tweeted this uh, yesterday. Magpie Army, I need your help. Following today's game, while I was walking back to the AIA Centre, a young girl and her father could see I was a bit flat. The young girl came up to me and offered to hold my hand crossing the road. She gave me a hug. I want to find these guys. (laughs) I was along Olympic Boulevard, crossing the road to the AIA Centre. It's dangerous. Little right girl goes and holds his hand, helping it, helping him to cross the road. Best part about this is he was able to find them. Um, the father Matt and his daughter managed to track them down. See you Saturday at the G. So hopefully they get something oh, nice out of that. Very good. They should um, get a press box. <laughs> they should get a press box. Yes. <laughs> we want them reporting on this game because you know. Can I just we say need more reporters? Can I just say both? <laughs> hey, if they're out there, yeah. uh, open invite. You're welcome to come on on the show. Can I just say, both both clubs, amazing, you know, when they're running out to the banner, such a crunch final, uh, you know, there's this poor girl, you know, with a walker, um, you know, with with the Collingwood Army, and she's walking out there. What an amazing experience for her, and particularly her family. I love that. They they, they didn't rush out of the ground. They just, they they waited for her. They let her go through the banner first. Yep. It was beautiful, And it was just like... It's a game. It's, it's another game of footy. There's, it's more than it's footy, more though. than a game. It, it encompasses all communities and all people of all abilities, and, and that's what I just love uh, about the culture of Collingwood, the culture of Geelong, and you know what footy can do for people. So, absolutely, shout out to them, Jimmy. Should we get to a quick song and wrap up the very final game of the finals for the first week? We the will. cinematic conclusion, the, the grand cinematic conclusion. conclusion, the comeback story, grandstand finish, the road to redemption. These are, they, these are just You're dropping a few words. hints are you? <laughs> <laughs> Well you know what Don't keep me waiting for this song Because this is Don't Keep Me Waiting by Mako Road You're hey. on the sports desk on Sin Mako Road, you're on the sports desk on Sin on your Monday. It's currently 5.52. It is. 52. Let's wrap up the show. Let's get done with the last game of the fi- first week of the finals. Doggers coming off 13-point victors against the Dogs. Coming from behind in a cutthroat victory. Elimination. <laughs> Not leading at all throughout this game until midway through the fourth quarter. Doggies uh, fans, speaking from three Essendon fans sitting at this desk, be careful. Welcome to the club. Oh, oh, I thought you come to our meetings. Yeah. You can grieve alongside uh, us. We know no, how no, it feels. No, no, they don't. They don't deserve to be next to us. The, the, the old heave ho, heave ho, free <laughs> heave ho. They heaved them out. They did, and the biggest uh, margin of this game uh, was at half time. Finally enough, um, stretched out to. 41, 41 points. points. Thank you for the reminder. I was like, yep. what is this? 4-1? They led this they led half time forty-two to twenty-seven. Didn't get off the scoreboard uh to kick a goal till the second quarter. Midway through as well. Finished yeah. twenty minute mark. First quarter finished one point to five goals, five thirty-five. <laughs> 
Uh, went into the last quarter only leading by six points, the Dogs, and then getting it getting absolutely done by 13 in the end. Uh, credit to Fremantle because this isn't the footy that we expected them to play so early on in the game, uh, and they just crumbled. They and see how much it deflated the Optus crowd too. Oh yeah, for mm, sure. But yeah. you can you can just see something in kind of their mental game in the way that they play because. They just came out of nowhere and won, and I do not think that the Bulldogs expected it. Mm. And to be honest with you, it's kind of good because the Bulldogs don't deserve to play finals if they can't hold a lead. Correct. And, Jimmy, this actually highlights a really crazy point, and Dogs fans... uh This is not good reading at all. So the Bulldogs in the elimination final conceded 11 of 13 goals. Uh, In the grand final, their previous final, it was 16 of the last 17 goals they conceded. And the Dogs only managed to kick three goals after quarter time, Jimmy. So that is a crazy stat. And when you're conceding that much territory after being that far in front, you've got a question. Like, okay, you're playing this incredible tempo footy, you're kicking left, right and centre amazing goals, but then you just run out of puff. Midfield pressure is also a priority, I guess, at Footscray, but there's something to do with restructuring defensively, it seeming. And unfortunately, Jason, this happens in more than just finals as well. So... The last 24 games, um, in 12 games, they've conceded between four and eight goals in runs, so in patches. And we're talking this this it, year's home it, and away. The last 20, yep, the last 24 games. So yeah. this is an this is a crazy run of goals. And out of those 12 games where they've conceded a patch between four to eight goals, they've only won two of those games. So it just goes to show it is unsustainable. Alrighty, look, they sorry, dogs. So, yeah, we know. You know, I'm not sorry. You're not sorry. Not sorry. No, it's 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 the truth. Big injury here. Nat Fife, yeah. hamstring, TBC return date, and Free then uh, Matthew Tabiner, argue one of their best players in their team, having a calf injury. He's getting a test on it, so we do not know if he's going to come back. Um, the tabs. But big man Caleb Sarong, he's going to carry them into this game against the Pies. Um, Seven twenty-five on Saturday, the G. He was delightful to watch in the midfield against. The he's dogs, just dogs he's so good. A, he's a great footballer to watch. You are right. Michael Walters and Jeffrey. They, I was blown away by their performances up forward. Yeah, tackle pressure, boys. I just got to say it. Talk um, to me, Mike. Michael Fredericks on Ed. I think it was Ed Richards. He had nowhere to go, and his tackling pressure was insane. Walters' tackling pressure was insane. By the way, just quickly on Sonny Walters um, in. His 12 finals, he's kicked, listen to this, 28 goals. And he's kicked three-plus goals on seven occasions. So, Sonny is a true finals performer, and they are so lucky to have him in the team. I think when he retires, Jimmy, he'll go down as one of the all-time best in the I think, purple. Look, I think it's so hard because I like a lot of Fremantle players in the past and the future, but half of them don't get the recognition they deserve because they're out in the West. And because Great. it's such a West uh, Easternized sport, you know, we only really hear of the likes from New South Wales downwards to Melbourne. You don't really, you know, you, the only people you recognise from the Queensland states is like Jonathan Brown and Daniel Rich and Michael Voss. We would have been but, one, yeah. But like you've you've got other players who have you know had such an impact into games into seasons who don't get recognition anymore. You know, it's 
Again, it's one of those things, it's out of your hands because that's just footy. I don't want to take it too far off topic in that instance, but in to Brisbane's defence, they did have a very rough patch late 2000s, early 2010s, so that, yep. they, that slump probably has taken away a bit of their name value from that yeah. period no, in that fair. regard. That's fair. But no, it does make a fair point with the West because there's been a lot of success coming out of the West in the last decade or so, and footy legends yeah, are for plenty. Sure. Jimmy, for all intensive purposes and for ticket sales and so forth, tell us what next week looks like. What is the schedule? Next week, alrighty, the D's take on the Lions Friday night at the G. We've got two G games. <laughs> wow. uh, early calls on the Journos and the Herald Sun, tipping Demons by nine points collectively Wow, as an early call. Closer than a lot of the other games this season against these two sides. My tip, I'm, I'm going the D's. Yep. I'm going them by 14 points. Yep, my early tip is them as well by about 30. Yeah. Oh, really? A bit of a yeah, blowout. Yeah, a okay. bit of a blowout towards the end. I think, yeah, 14 points. Quote me on that one. Hopefully we'll see you on Monday for a bit more of, uh, you know, me, me tipping some good stuff. Yes, mate. <laughs> and then following that, Saturday, 7.25 at the G. I cannot wait oh, for this game. Uh, again, the special source of Collingwood <laughs> taking on the Heave Ho Dockers. Uh, we all know who I'm picking for this one. <laughs> yeah, I think, it's, I think it's very obvious if you listen to this show regularly. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a grudge match. It's going to be a physical. It's going to be everything you want in a football match. Jack Anthony Cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got that God. Justin Longmuir more recently, but I, I, you know, I, I love Jack Anthony. It's the Chris Main Cup as well. Yeah, it is, mate. Yeah, it is. yeah. yeah uh, early, nice. early call by the journos as well. <laughs> Maggie's by one point. Oh, wow. That's um, so plausible. Yeah. Yeah, look. I mean, we just have a what if next to it. Like, oh, absolutely. You, you could put in a shoe in. I, it would not have surprised me in the slightest if Geelong won by 60 points, but the what if kept everyone guessing. And here we are. That could be the upset, but I'm not brave enough to tip it yet. I'm going the Pies by 26. That big. Yeah, yep. Pies by 9. I think the points for Pies by 9, Pies by 26, Jason. Again, well, I have to pick Colin because I know what I said. You know what it, uh, you know what I've said. Uh, how by how much? Five points. Okay. If Frio have to Early gain territory, tip. like if, if Frio are, are asleep at the start of the game, they've got no chance. Also, keep Connor. in mind, listeners, this is early tip. We'll finalise it all tip. on Fridays. Uh, we don't know Sam. what the teams are going to be like. Tune in to that uh, to that show on Friday as well because you'll have all the in depth uh, analysis and what's going to happen. Plus, um, Sam's tips live. Hundred percent, Michael. Um, just finally, VFL results, and <laughs> it's so funny. The VFL at the moment, as it stands, three of the four teams are Queensland sides, and one was Sydney <laughs> over the weekend. So, w- would you call it the VFL anymore? I, I mean, doubt it. Yeah, yeah, we had uh, we had Brisbane versus Gold Coast as well on the weekend. Yeah, that's that crazy. <laughs> Sydney versus Gold Coast. So uh, the Gold Coast Suns end up winning their quarterfinal um, 99-87. to 87. It was actually a very close game. I love Ebbs that. It was and great. flows. It was a really entertaining game to watch, Jimmy. I watched it as I well. It was it, very yes. entertaining Sunday it. afternoon footy. Uh, and it was good to see a lot of the Sydney Swans and the Gold Coast Suns senior listed players actually at the game as well. Took Miller and a few of the other Gold Coast Suns members uh, made the trip out there. I think Holman was there as well. Uh, Brisbane. Well, they defeated Carlton. Yeah, it feels like Carlton win, uh, lose every week, should I say, since the last couple of weeks. Um, they lost uh, 72 to 6. So, see the footage of Chris Fagan coaching the uh, coaching the Resis boys. I did not see. Yeah, that. he was he was really getting up in his grill oh and kind gosh. of like I, th- I think it was I don't know what it was because we couldn't hear it, but it was like getting the body behind the ball <laughs> because he was getting really down to the ground and like Gee. trying to like 
really encapsulate can't these help boys. Yourself, can you? You know what? That's great. I love the passion. because if you're trusting, obviously, like a lot of the reserve players and the boys who are not listed in the. Um, even listed in the actual squad who were just VFL players playing mm. there. But when you've got a guy like Chris Fagan coaching you and, you know, getting those little like tips in there and you're not afraid to listen, like, that's great. I love that. Hope, I hope, love they, that. Go, hope they go far. I hope they do too. So, Jimmy, that means that the Casey Demons uh, will come up against the Brisbane Lions, which is so ironic because they're playing each other in the finals in the AFL, which is just incredible for them both to be playing each other. So that'll be the preliminary final Saturday, September the 10th. One ten from Casey Fields. Get on down Melbourne fans hopefully you'll be riding a high wave after your game on Friday night and then on Saturday or should I say Sunday 1-10 if you don't mind it'll be the Southport Sharks up against the Gold Coast Suns in the second preliminary final as Go well the Sharks. So plenty happening yeah up the Sharks up the Sharks, up the Sharks. Someone, the that's not, uh, someone that's not an AFL team yep yep and someone yeah. that's victorious someone for a change. Yeah. There yeah. you go. go Footy's looking very healthy both at the big leagues level and at the local level. Finally, for me, uh, a big shout out to uh, Montmorency, who I got the pleasure of seeing their semi final, uh, their under 19 Div 1 uh, defeat Greensboro, and their under uh, their Div 3 reserve side defeat Greensboro at Preston City Oval. The crowd that turned up for that was fantastic. I got, I was lucky enough to film both of those games for Sportscast Australia, and it was a Shout exciting out. affair. No, it was an exciting affair. It, uh, from a local level to the big leagues, the crowds are looking great, and I'm, I'm excited to see such great turnouts for even local footy. Fantastic. And you're wearing the Redback uh, beanie here. The Redbacks in the hockey, they get into a preliminary final. Massive win for them, so great to see the Redbacks repping in the finals. Fantastic result from them. Jimmy... Anything finally from your end? Uh, yeah, the footy food was underwhelming on Friday. Nah. <laughs> as we, as, as we Sam's said a messy now. eater, isn't he? We oh, found mate. out. Shout out to Sam's jeans because they will be missed. <laughs> R.I.P. Like, uh, to be honest with you, who eats who eats a jam donut uh, with the hole that you know the, yeah, the entry point for the jam on the underneath side facing your jeans? A- a- amateur moves, baffling. It's all right though because you know what. We can hear his explanation on Friday, too, because that's the next time you'll hear us again. 9 a.m. Friday morning. James, we'll see you next week. We will. We will uh, we'll be around on the social media as well. And there'll be more records for our set. Get your on our records. Five, five, uh, five schmackaroonies, don't you reckon? Gee, 20 cents back in the day, Jimmy. It certainly inflation's hit us, hasn't it? A little bit. Just a little bit. We that's, love it. Thank you, Jason. That's desk. Uh, and again, there will be more coming in next week for the set. Uh, Yes, sir. Sports Desk Sin, Facebook and Instagram. We'll hear you again on Friday. See you later.